it's Hayden Williams here, and this is the Man in the Mirror podcast. It's a podcast where each week I talk to a male guest about their life, about work, about some of those key items on their bathroom shelf, those things they can't do without, and we cover self-care, self-image, and what the guest really thinks about the man that stares back at them in the mirror. A slightly different episode this week, self-care very much the theme, and I'm chatting to one of the co-founders of a charity called Father and Son Day, and it's Daniel Marks, along with Jack Dyson. He founded Father and Sunday in 2014. Now, it's a charity that supports the Royal Marsden Cancer Charity, and both Jack and Daniel had testicular cancer in their younger days. And um, once they were a bit older, they decided to, to do something about it. And Daniel will tell us much more about the charity, some of their collaborations and, and supporters, and will tell me a bit more about the you know the very personal side of it and why he decided to to get involved and and what he decided to do. It was great to meet Daniel. We met at the office of a PR company called Massey Style. As you'll hear in the podcast, Aqua de Palma are one of the charity partners and they work with Father and Sunday. So I'll explain a bit more about that. Daniel has a, another job. He's a very senior executive in the communications industry. He's been working in it for over 30 years now and works with people such as Donatella Versace, has worked with Tommy Hilfiger in the past. So um, he can definitely call on some some kind of high-level friends in the industry to to help out and add a little sprinkle of stardust on what Father and Sunday is all about. But I think you're really going to enjoy this. It's probably one of the most personal podcasts we've done so far. Daniel was was really open and um, has some great advice for anyone just in terms of checking their their physical health you know we talk sometimes about you know the the aesthetics and and the the outer appearance and of course self-care and what grooming and skincare can can do to make you feel better but i think this is the first time we've covered off actual physical health and and you know men checking themselves literally and checking in on each other so here we go it's daniel marks the co-founder of father and sunday i'm hayden williams and this is the man in the mirror podcast welcome along to man in the mirror it's hayden williams here i've uh, stepped out of the home studio again i'm in central london i'm delighted to say i'm joined by daniel marks who's one of the co-founders of Father and Sunday. Hi, Daniel. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm well, thank you. Sun is shining. Although the sun is shining. I apologise now for my hay fever in case there's a sort of <laughs> nasty sound in the background. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you for doing it, and thanks for doing it in person. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. So, on Man in the Mirror, I, you know, we often talk to to founders and, and people connected with the world of fragrance and grooming and journalists. But um, one of the other things we cover is self care and. Um, I just thought the, the story of Father and Sunday and, and your charity, I think there's a really nice fit where, you know, it, it, we talk often about now you know, looking after our mental health and, and men, you know, getting much more attuned to that. But I think actually some of the, some of the stuff around actually our, our physical health, we're not always so good at, at talking about. And, um, you know, with Father and Sunday, I think it's a, it's a charity that's talking about you know, cancer and men's awareness and, and doing a, a really amazing job there. So I wonder, first thing is, why did you set up the, the charity in the first place? What was the impetus to do that? So when I was 17, I had testicular cancer. Right. Uh, at the time, I'm uh, from a family of four brothers and my father 
there wasn't a really a culture of talking to each other about health mm. issues, mental or physical. Yeah. And so I had, the age of 17, everything that's going on with your body is a bit embarrassing anyway. And um, I had discovered a, one of my testes was growing much bigger than the other. And I didn't really want to say anything because I was a bit embarrassed. No. And so I left it and I left it quite a while. And um, then... How long? It was months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and was it painful? Well, what happened? No. What happened was that um, it got to a size where it it had there was a pressure growing in my testes that it burst a blood vessel, and so that was what was painful. Yeah, happened at school. I passed out, and I was rushed to family GP. Yeah. And he took one look and said, right, you're going straight into hospital. It's either going to be a twist in the testes or it's going to be tumour and the tumour's most probably benign, but, you know, maybe there might be something else there. Yeah. So I went into hospital and went straight into an operation and I woke up with uh, one ball less than I started the operation with. Right. And they said, we didn't like the look of it. It wasn't a twist. There was definitely a tumour there. And they uh, took, took that off for analysis. Anyway, I had, it turned out that it was testicular cancer. And that first day I was told was absolutely horrific. And the sort of support network around me, very close to my family, my support network was incredible. I was very lucky. I had some amazing doctors as well. But what I realized then was, what I realized now looking back on it, was that there was not the kind of openness which might have allowed me to have discovered it a bit earlier or mentioned it earlier or caught it earlier. Because by not catching it early, uh, it had spread to my lymph nodes and so I was obliged to have chemotherapy. Right. I went through that treatment with the Royal Marsden incredibly successfully. I was out in Sutton uh, under the care of some amazing uh, professors Obviously, I'm, I'm 51 now, so it's some time ago. Chemotherapy's yeah. got quite uh, a lot more sophisticated. It was pretty brutal back then. Was that a long time out of school? Um, it was a, a sort of summer holiday in a term. It was rather inconveniently yeah. happened over a summer holiday, which was rather miffed back yeah. the time I remember. You were going into thinking. upper six or something. Yeah, so I was going into start my A-levels. Yeah. Um, but I took a term off, and then I... I honestly, I feel like I sailed through it. I mean, it, it, it's a, there's a weird thing that happens when you, I think, for me anyway, I'm not sure about other people's experiences, but having gone through something that's pretty traumatic for me, although probably more traumatic for my family, mm. when it finished, when I was given the all clear, there was a very strange moment when I remember walking back from the scan to go and tell my parents that I got an all clear. And the time that I'd been treated just sort of collapsed in on itself. Mm. It was literally like it had never happened. Really? The brain is a super powerful thing. Yeah. And I think we felt as a family, um, certainly my parents felt that, that because I'd been looked after so well by the Marsden that we should, we should start by giving something back. So we did some fundraising there. My parents were very involved. Um, we had lots of friends. We did some music concerts. And we started by raising money for a particular machine that was needed. Mm-hmm. Cut to a decade or so later, and my father got prostate cancer. Right. And there was this very strange reversal of a relationship, because obviously I'd been through it, he was going through it then. And so he and I talked about what he was going through. And also I think he he said to me that having me around and having seen me survive Mm. gave him a much more positive outlook on, on his own cancer. Do you think it deepened your relationship with your dad? 
My, my father's a very emotional man. He's Is he? very close. Yes, he's cry at the drop of a hat. And so... Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, our relationship is, uh, I'm, I'm a good Jewish boy. It comes from a close Jewish family. Yeah. We've got, we've had our ups and downs and we love each other all the more for it. And he is a very emotionally open, um, you know, human being. Uh, weirdly, because we didn't talk about issues beforehand, but this has opened up a conversation between us. And it's a weird kind of club, a cancer. You know, whenever I now hear old friends who, or speak to friends who, who have been diagnosed, you sort of cut through the bullshit of the pandering to, oh, are you all right? Or, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's horrible. Yeah. This is a horrible thing to go through. Yeah, it's exhausting. It rips you apart and puts you back together again, emotionally and physically. But, you know, it doesn't have to be a death sentence if you talk about it early enough. There are such advancements in, yeah. in, advances in treatment. And the Royal Marsden is doing such incredible work that, um, you know, we wanted to then get back involved. And so my father recovered. And, oh, that's good too. Uh, yeah, he's now 92. Um, wow. Pretty spectacular human being. Yeah. Age-defying. Yeah. And we had this, uh, so we had this very, very close shared experience. Mm. But I think whenever a family goes through cancer, it's a shared experience with all of your family. Yeah. And those friends who step up to the plate to support you as well, I was very lucky to have a lot of support, both of us were. Yeah. So after my father recovered, several years later, I had was having dinner with a great friend of mine, Jack Dyson. He's one of the co-founders of the chapter, or the co-founder of the chapter. Yes, yeah, so yeah. the two of us had dinner. We had a little bit too much wine, coming up with good ideas, seemingly good <laughs> ideas at the time. But, um, but uh, Jack had also had testicular cancer. And whereas um, Jack is healthy and, and survived, his father had left his diagnosis of cancer too late and right. very sadly passed away. I think we talked about it, that, that it was sort of in this weird, stereotypical male bravado of I'm all right. Yeah. And I don't need to tell anybody about anything. I'm the sort of father figure and therefore I have to lead the family and, and therefore I don't really want to talk about the fact that I'm not... Stoic about it. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but what we both realised was that we'd gone through this extraordinary emotional experience with our fathers having had cancer after we'd had it. Yeah. And... And we're both in marketing and PR and, you know, we like a good headline. And so over the glass of wine, you know, while nobody does anything decent for Father's Day, you know, it's all a bit cheesy and not really very important, not nearly as commercially interesting as Mother's Day. We should try and do something over Father's Day. It's always on a Sunday. Father and Sunday came about. It yeah. seemed like a good idea. Yeah. Well, I get that. I get that from now. Yeah. But it's it's called Father and Sunday Inspiring Men. And it's about inspiring men, celebrating inspiring men. So over the, uh, we're in our ninth year now, we'll be 10 years next year. And it's about inspiring men who have lived extraordinary lives. We've had amazing support from the beginning, really, from NAMS Royal Highness Prince of Wales, uh, who's president wow. of the Royal Marsden, yeah. posted for us on Instagram from Kensington Palace at the launch. It was totally unexpected. Yeah. Wild. And we didn't, I thought this was a sort of fake. Um, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't. And, and Nancy Arnold Schwarzenegger and Elton John, and there have been amazing fathers who've come and stepped up and supported us over the years. And the other part of inspiring men is, is inspiring men to talk to each other more yeah. openly because there's still this, I don't know, we just get very clunky when it talk, starting to talk about mental health and physical health. I think we're making a lot of strides in that. I think there are mm. people out there who are doing an incredible job of bring, bringing attention to mental health. I think we're more 
open as certainly in the young generations. It feels like it, doesn't it? As you say, I think it feels like young guys now are starting to feel more comfortable. I think so, but I think also, you know, we're lucky we live in a metropolitan city. You know, we meet people who maybe uh, are more open and more articulate about these things. But as soon as you step outside cities, you know, you can't make generalizations, but, you know, it is very much a, I think the, um, still, we've still got a huge amount of work to do. Yeah, and I was making the distinction. I'm I'm not even sure if it's right in the the introduction, but, you know, it, it does feel like there's a, more of a mental health conversation happening now. But I, I wonder if you think, does that extend actually to our physical health? Because I'm th- thinking about myself and I, you know, it feels like the, the conversations around depression and, and things like that feel like they're, they're, they're out there. But I don't know if men are talking so much about their physical... I mean, we talk about appearance and do, I mean, do we talk I about... Think about the, physical I think health? we've got, a, I think we've got a, a long way to go, but we're getting yeah. better. Yeah, I think we're encouraged in our relationships. We're asked questions from our friends. We start conversations. Mm. Um, I mean, I've suffered with depression myself, and I think, you know, that was a bit of a, a smack in the face, to be honest, because I didn't really recognise it. I didn't really know what it was. It just sort of... But I was eventually diagnosed with... So, so did, did the... Did that come from friends and your your network who maybe spotted it a bit more? No, it came from me just kind of collapsing on the floor and saying, I'm going to feel like absolute hell, what's this? Yeah. And I, you know, got a fantastic doctor and yeah. basically it was circumstantial. But that was, a you know, within the last couple of years, a long time after. But I'm really open about talking about these things. I'm very open about talking about my cancer and about testicular cancer. Mm. I was very open with my with my father. He was very open with me talking about prostate cancer. I was like, Dad, you know, how did you know? And he said, well, I was walking in the street and I urgently needed to pee. Like mm. I needed to, then and there, and I remember having to pee behind a bus stop and I was just hugely embarrassed. Mm. And he said, and then I found it very difficult to maintain an erection. Mm. It's kind of not the sort of conversation you expect to have with your father. So I can't imagine my dad's saying No, but. well, you know, this is, he, I said, well, do you mind if I tell that story? And he said, um, he said, no, you have to. Like, this is, these are the important things to get out there. Yeah. So the Marsden has allowed us to... Um, They've been unbelievably supportive of Father and Sunday. And uh, we have been able to fund over the last nine years uh, the training of a number of different people. We really believe in investing in people, not in research. And so we've supported the training of some extraordinary super surgeons on these amazing Da Vinci machines, which are the robotic surgery machines. Wow. And I tell you, I've been in and I've seen a prostate being removed. Have you? It's balletic. It's so beautiful. You know, there's so nothing the, gory about it. The robotics, so they're, they're controlling... Yes, it's in real life gaming. It's like a sort of extraordinary thing. You have this amazing surgeon sitting yeah. at what looks like a gaming station and then you have the patient... Five so feet away, not covered touch, in sheets. They're not touchy, it's all remote. No, and then there are these, exactly, there are these remote arms going yeah. into the body. And because of the sophistication of it during an operation like that, they, the patient will only lose an egg cup for the blood maximum. So recovery time is extraordinary. There was a, a gentleman I'm aware of in the Royal Marsden who had also had testicular cancer early stage, but who had the operation and left the same day. I mean, sort of unheard of 17 years ago. Yeah. Um, so we've been funding the training of a younger generation of um, these surgeons. Yep. And then we've also invested in training for mental health support for young men. Because when I, go, going through going through cancer, when I was treated with great respect to the Royal Marsden, that part of the treatment was archaic. Mm. A very sweet lady came to my bed and said, um, how are you feeling today? Which is a sort of complicated question to ask yeah. when you're being treated for cancer. 
Yeah. And I said, well, not great. And she said, oh, well, why don't you just fill out this form and tell me, you know, how, I mean, out of 10. And at the back, there's a kind of mood thermometer. If you could just color that into the height of where you're sort of how anxious you're feeling. Oh my God. So from my... <laughs> I, I'm delighted to say that it's the treatment of the Royal Martin is a lot more sophisticated now. Yeah. But I think back then, you know, 30 odd years ago, yeah. the, we were in a different place. Of course. But it, it was a, I'm, I'm a great believer in, in using your own experiences to help others. Yeah. And that was clearly when I sort of had this conversation inside the Marsden and they were like, well, yeah, it's a bit more sophisticated than that, but we could still do better. So now there's incredible nutritional support. There's amazing mental health support. And we're, you know, we our, our fundraising helps that. But I think because of our connections in the fashion industry and the luxury beauty industry, we're also able to get quite a lot more PR than some of the other campaigns that the, the Marston operates. And you know, we since Jack and I founded it, the charity, we've been joined by our amazing friend James Massey, who has an yes. incredible PR agency and represents some amazing luxury brands. And he, he's very high, kindly hosting us today. He is. Thank you, James. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, James. <laughs> Lovely to be here. We're surrounded by swim shorts. We are. I think we're in the Vil Vilbrocan Aqua de Palmas. Yeah, and I'm not I'm, going to put some on. <laughs> it's been a long time since those samples were my side. <laughs> And uh, Mr. Massey's just walked into the room on the podcast. We were just talking about you. Yeah, that was an amazing moment. Hello. Thank you for having us. It's lovely to see you too. <laughs> Looking radiant and pink. Pretty like, pink. <laughs> Absolutely right. Um, we've been able to bring on board through that network of extraordinary men. And, and Jack and I say we were sort of father and son and we needed brothers to come along yeah. us. And James is definitely our sort of senior vice president of brotherhood. Yeah. And we've been able to bring amazing brands on board. In the past, we've worked with people like Mr. Porter and All of Our Brown. And more recently, uh, Aquatorama have been amazing supporter yes. of ours. So yeah. I think just in, in the work that we're doing, one of the biggest benefits to the Marsden has been opening up the discussion. Yeah around care, around self-care, around health care of mental, both mental and physical. And awareness, I suppose. And, and, and awareness, yeah. And also, you know, it reminds me every time I have a conversation like this to keep an eye on myself as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, just because I survived cancer once doesn't mean that it won't come, couldn't come back. So, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm conscious of also having friends who have been through cancer of just being there for them and mm -hmm. as people were there for me. Uh, there's, you know, a very strong idea of sisterhood amongst women. Yeah. There is less of that amongst men. I think so. And yeah. it's important that we change that. Yeah. Because most of the guys I talk to are not kind of pub-going, back-slapping, you know, football-playing hooligans. Yeah. Most of the guys I know and are friends with and meet through work or are decent, kind, honourable human beings who are perfectly open to having a conversation if you say, mm. what's going on? Yeah. How are you? Yeah. And not just a one or two, but a three. No, really, how are you? Yeah. I think what you were saying about the, the charity, it struck me, you know, I, I love the fact that the money goes to something quite tangible and you've been able to see... The benefits in in real time of, of what the fundraising is doing rather than you're saying some more kind of nebulous 
um, you know, but, research, which is amazing. It, yeah, research is, you know, I mean, research is absolutely fundamental, but it is quite extraordinary when you shake the hand of somebody who you've yeah. been able to help in their career yeah. and you watch them kind of operating a machine or you they talk you through how they've been helping somebody from a mental health perspective. Mm. And um, this is incredibly rewarding. I mean, I, you know, I'm like James, also work in marketing communications and we're in the people business. And so, you know, people make a difference. And I yeah. think for us, certainly for me personally, the professor who treated me uh, since retired now, so obviously I'm ancient, he's even more ancient, was an incredibly warm human being who I, you know, wasn't just sort of treating me like a, a name and number on mm-hmm. a paper. Mm. The mental health team was maybe had a bit of a way to go on that. Yeah. And so when you meet people who are looking after other human beings, I just find that incredibly rewarding. And, yeah. and ensuring that this conversation stays open and that there's no sort of taboo around it. Really. Mm. I just don't see why there should be. Just no, silly. It's just a, some ancient, awkward social construct. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I'm almost the testicular, you know, just talking about testicles and stuff, almost that, that in itself, we just need to be more comfortable of using using the terminology and not feeling squeamish about it. Yeah, I mean, bless them. They're sort of hanging there. Quite yeah. Neglected most of the time. Mine is getting longer. It's a I think. But, um, I mean, we both hit 50. We you know, have. Everything starts dead south. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's, you know, in a way, breast cancer has become much more mainstream. It's had very public support. It's had very high profile women who have been through it. And having a breast exam or a smear test has become sort of a normal thing for women to go through in terms of general health mm-hmm. housekeeping. Does every guy check their testicles? So no, I mean, the, the, you know, the thing I learned was when you're in the shower in the morning or if you're having a bath with the warm water around, your testicles become a little bit softer and you can gently sort of play around with them and, you know, feel if you've got any lumps or bumps. And if I do, <laughs> get the lumps and bumps looked at. Yeah. You know, it's not a particularly complicated thing to do. No. And, you know, hopefully you're washing down there anyway. So, you know, you can do Let's it. Hope so. Pros Let's hope so. Would hope. I think the, uh, the listeners of Man in the Mirror, I, I think, are... I know, I've had trouble is I grew up in a family of four boys, you know, there's sort of various nasty smells. Oh, and my poor parents emanating from God knows what. Yes, I've got a 14-year-old, so there's similarly weird smells in our house, you know, it's just, just one of those byproducts yeah. of growing up. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting, and, uh, you know, I mentioned before we we started the podcast, like, you know, I've, I've was doing some of those checks a couple of weeks ago and, and found a lump, and now I've I got seen by my... GP, and that's led to some blood tests this Friday and um, an ultrasound next week. So I, I, the, the doctor made me feel comfortable that, that maybe it was more like a, a cyst or, or something like that. But I think, yeah, I I'd ha- probably hadn't been as good at checking as I should have been, and I definitely felt something was not quite right. And it's definitely. And sometimes you think, am I imagining? Am I imagining it? Is it you know? Is it just the sort of normal form of the the testicle? But it. It definitely wasn't. So I'm glad I, I think you've got to do the right thing and check these things out. I mean, let's see what happens. I mean, listen, I don't think it's a right or wrong thing. I think it's yeah. an essential yeah. thing. It's just, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a, you know, it, this is the housekeeping that you have to go through. Yeah. Young or old, you know, testicular cancer is a, is a cancer that affects young men as well. So, you know, I think for me, that was a big thing. You know, at 17, you're like bouncing off the walls. Nothing really stops you. You've sort of, the world is your oyster. 
and something like this is not something that you're looking out for. I have to say, I didn't get... know that. I didn't know that it was a something that affected younger men. Yes, I mean, it's, it's actually, I have to say, it's one of the most treatable cancers that yeah. there is out there. So, you know, you there has been one or two examples of people who've left it too late yeah. where it can be fatal, but it's it's unlikely to get that far. This is, as far as I'm aware, there's sort of few and far between. Yeah. But I think, you know, it all comes into the bracket of great self-care. Yeah. You know, if you're going to use a great moisturizer uh, on your face, why the hell aren't you sort of checking everywhere else on your body? You know, if it's absolutely to you that you look great, you know, dressed well, beautiful shirt, you know, vibrant skin, you know, if you've got something going on under your boxer shorts that you're not quite yeah. kind of... It doesn't get the same care and attention. Totally. When Why? You put it like that. Yeah, makes makes absolute sense. And I think it's, it's you know certainly crude to think about you know different cancers or different problems being in in the spotlight. But I think I think you're right. It feels like sometimes we get to hear more about you know certainly breast cancer and certain ones. But it, it's I think the, the the fact that you and Jack both have a sort of communications and PR background and can kind of put a bit of showbiz to this and, and make it, you know, make the Royal Marsden, you know, do nice dinners and, and, and make sure that there's kind of profile to it. That That's really useful because I think sometimes, you know, these things can be a bit dry and it's, you know, actually the fact that you can kind of do some nice events and, and, and raise it, raise the profile of the charity must be, you know, they must be thrilled because, you know, over the, it's nine years now and yeah, it's a lot of things. Listen, it's, it's incredibly rewarding for both of us. And I think when we set set out to launch this, we both said, listen, if we can make a difference to one person, mm. then we would have done so something good. Yeah. So I remember we did a big, in the early days, we did a big article with the Sunday Times style. They've been brilliantly supportive. It was an interview, I think, with Richard Madden, who's also one of our ambassadors, okay. amazing actor. Yeah. There, a friend of mine, her husband, was in a, a, a group of people that were talking about various health issues. And partly about grief. And she told me that there was a gentleman there who had always been rather quiet in this group. And he said, I want to say something. And he um, stood up and he said, three years ago, my son died from cancer and I haven't known how to articulate it. And I've been lost and so upset and I haven't known how to process it. And this weekend, I read an article in the Sunday Times talking about how to be open yeah. around male cancers, and it made a massive difference to me. And, I mean, we would not have known that wow. had had an impact unless we happened to have had someone else sitting in the room at the same time. And that, for both of us, I still find it, the hairs on the back of my neck go up, and I still find it really emotional that what we've done, by virtue of our jobs and, and, and just going out there and trying to do something had an impact on that man. I've no idea who he is. I've no idea what he went through. But he said that he had felt like it was a message from his son yeah. to pull out of this depression and to go and do something about it and to go and do something in his son's name and to go and raise money for charity or to go and, and just talk to people more openly about it. And for both of us, that was mind-blowing. Yeah. So the fact that we've been able to help more than that, which is to raise money, is mm. amazing. But that inspires us both. Yeah. And James, mm. everyone involved with the charity, every day. And every year when we come around to Father's Day, which is sort of when the anchor date is yeah. for Father and Sunday, I'm reminded of that. 
in interviews like this, talking to you, mm. I'm reminded of that. And so I feel sometimes like having been through cancer wasn't such a big deal. I know it's a really strange thing to say, <laughs> but, you know, when other people have cancer and they're like, oh, this sort of this tragedy sort of comes out. Yeah. It's, a, it's a horrible thing, but I kind of think, well, no, actually part of this is in your own attitude to it. And you haven't let it Again. define you. And or... Well, I don't know if I agree with that. I think I, uh, it's such an important part of my life. Yeah. And at, at the time, at 17, it also, frankly, also sorted my friends out. It was sort of, you know, there was definitely wheat and chafe. There was a sort of moment of like, people who stepped up for the play because they could and wanted to, and then others who just didn't know. I mean, I think now I'd be a lot more respectful of those people who couldn't mm. quite manage it. I was thinking that when you said about being 17, I wondered how your, how your friends, and you're know, thinking about my son who's nearly that age, you know, how, how they were. And so that you said that there, there was some that kind of... Yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely bonded me much more closely with a few very mm. of my great friends who are still great friends who sort of stepped up then and and were unbelievably supportive. I, I think at the time, you're a bit more brutal about those people that don't, a bit mm. more judgmental. I don't think, I, I think I'd be a bit more understand, understanding yeah. now. Maybe that's to do with growing up. Yeah. You know, that not everybody can cope with this. And I think if there is anyone out there who's listening who has been through cancer and they have had friends who found it difficult, you know, it's not that friend's fault. It's just a different way of being able to deal with things like this. And not everyone can articulate it or communicate their feelings in, in the same way, even if it's, you know, that support role. You say people don't know, sometimes don't know the right thing to say and so choose to say yeah. nothing at all. Which And sometimes, you know, going through something like that, all you need is one or two people to talk to, yeah. to be able to let off steam, to be able to care for yourself in many ways. I mean, you know, your program is all about self-care. I mean, it is, you, you can, I mean, I mean, listen, I'm a product addict. I've been using, you know, grooming products since I was you know, in my teens. Right, we're getting but, to that. But, oh. but, you know, talking is probably one of the greatest grooming products you could possibly ask for. Yeah. You know, that openness, it's, it's you know, it's not as expensive as some of the products we all get to use. Very true. Um, but, you know, opening it is is as good for you as, you know, opening a great fragrance opening. I mean, it's a little bit of a weird analogy, but it certainly fits into this conversation in a way where we're talking more openly. It just feels a little bit more liberating. And listen, I'm not the best person at it. I've certainly had lots of lessons uh, in being more open personally. I don't always get it right, but it has helped enormously Mm. over the years and, and very specifically when I was sick and, and certainly now when, I, when I'm with friends who are sick too. Yeah. And do you know how much the, you've read The Father of Sunday has raised roughly so far? For, um, for the yeah, I, mean, I think we're, we're in the hundreds of thousands, which is great. It's amazing. It is amazing. I think we, the Marsden, you know, the Marsden is an amazing place. They certainly know how to spend the money. Uh, one of the things that we are most proud of is that this has been the most successful in terms of profile and awareness building. So um, we've had, you know, we, we Father and Sunday has an Instagram account. It's not huge, but the people who've posted about us on their own channels, the coverage that we've had from some of the men's magazines, um, GQ, Esquire, and as I said, from, from people like the Sunday Times and The Guardian, you know, that profile building... Yeah is in a way worth more to the hospital than the money. Yeah. Money is very important. Of course it is. But the awareness building yeah. and the conversation that we've had and the fact that we have amazing support from you and from amazing media uh, houses and uh, influencers and celebrities 
has been really inspiring. Um, and, you know, we've had some incredible people support us, but it's, from our perspective, I think it's, it's both the money raise, but also very, very, very satisfying and very encouraging, really inspiring for the future to know that there's the profile rating mm. as well. And actually, I think, you know, even in the name of it, of father and son, I think that that's a really interesting conversation and, and shines a light on, on a relationship that isn't always... Yeah, and I think, I think um, you know, we're very conscious that it's a very masculine, heteronormative kind of construct, father and son. Yeah. And that actually there are, there are so many... It's an interesting conversation. There's different relationships as people who aren't close to their fathers and so... That's why we used to have children. Or no, exactly. And, and, but there are people with inspiring men in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why it's Father and Sunday inspiring men. And I think, you know, there is something about the masculine identity that deserves to have a focus on it. Mm. We are, thankfully, an open society, however you want to identify, however you choose to identify. Yeah. Um, that's absolutely, you know, it's, it's extraordinary that there's still a long way to go, but it's an extraordinary that we're a bit more open to a society like that. But at the same time in this world, it, it, there's a simplicity to the fact that men don't talk about health issues. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean that this is only a conversation between fathers and sons. It's yeah. between anyone and someone who has perhaps a, somebody who identifies as a man in their life who, who wants some help or is exactly. not feeling themselves or who's not feeling well or, uh, or who just feels a little bit quiet. Yeah. You know, have you not heard from a friend for a while? Have you, have you, you know, not out? heard from someone? Have you checked in on yeah. somebody? Because you never know what somebody might be going through. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Well, look, we will return to talk a little bit more about Father and Sunday. But um, as you teased slightly earlier, part of Man in the Mirror is to talk about... And it was like I was set up. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> to talk about products and, and just the idea of this figurative kind of bathroom shelf and some of the key items... Again, just to have a conversation around products that work well for you that you might recommend because, you know, it feels like a conversation sometimes you might have with a barber in the barber's chair or, or mates or something, but I, I never sort of feel like I'm hearing contextual conversations about, oh, you know, this, this has been great, this isn't so good. So, hence the reason for, for Man in the Mirror and to talk a little bit about morning and evening routines and some of the key products in your arsenal. Yeah, so we've talked a lot about the... Um the patriarchy of the Bar family, you know, my, my father and, and three brothers. But, you know, I'm, I do come from a matriarchal family. Right. A grandmother who was one of four girls, uh, mum who was two sisters. And I count myself exceptionally lucky that, that I have an amazing aunt who at a very young age, she, she never married, she never had children. And so she took on the kind of care of me and my brother in terms of not our education, not our sort of moral upbringing, but some of the sort of more like our, well, certainly for me, my skin care. Yeah, regime. sort of the more material thing. Yeah. <laughs> she, she loved that role. And so from a very young age, I have had a skincare routine. And it, it, to the point of like huge embarrassment. You know, teenage some teenage years. years, yeah. So she had, and she would go out and get unbelievably sophisticated products. So in the 80s, there was, you know, I was born in 71, in the 80s when I was sort of struggling with bad skin and spots and stuff, there was a, there was a, a really expensive product called Erno, Erno Laszlo. It was like a, a, it's like this sort of treatment, obviously marketed at women, but yeah. it was a sort of mud soap and it was easy. But one of the routines was that you had to splash and wash your face with 35 splashes, no more, no less. 
but that's great. Except for if you're going to stay at your mate's house overnight and you're in the bathroom counting to 35, it's really not good yeah, for your cred. Daniel. Brilliant. For your skin, but absolutely rubbish for yeah. your cred. So, um, and um, leave him, he's doing his routine. Massive black bar of soap. And then um, she discovered sort of Dead Sea products, which were new to the, to the UK. And there was this spot cream that was like this little white liquid that you would put on your spots and it would dry. Mm. And so initially, I remember kind of doing that at a friend's house, Dane and I was coming out and having the, you know, obviously everyone killing themselves a lot. <laughs> and then when I woke up in the morning with no spots, we were like, can we have some of that? Yeah. So, you know, there was... Tends this the way, doesn't Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a very, very early relationship with, with products. And I'm, I have to say, I, I, you know, you talk about bathroom shelf. Shelf, shelf. <laughs> yeah, my husband would say too many shelves. There's, so you've got terms of, much more than him. Oh, he's a sort of soap and water. He is, okay. Yeah, barely. Right. Like water. If you're lucky. Basically. Yeah. Bit of Aesop in the shower and that's it. So what might you use morning-wise then? What is some of your... So obviously I've got beard and, I mean, I, you know, my, my routine has kind of developed and edited down. Mm. I have been in the, the situation where I've had a lot of products. Yeah. I've worked in the fashion beauty industry for a long time, so I've been lucky to be able to get samples. And, yeah, and then but, know what works and what you like. And, yeah, try different things. Yeah. So I think, and, and also just understand and talk to experts about how your skin changes as we get older. So... My morning routine is that I have an amazing vitamin C face scrub wash thing that comes from a brand called This Works. Mm -hmm. And you put that on and you add a bit of water to it and then I get in the shower. And that, I don't know, somehow that kind of brightens up everything. I travel a lot. So my skin, I mean, I'm on a plane every other week. It dries you out. Yeah. And so that just refreshes everything and gets rid of dead skin. I also suffer quite badly from psoriasis, although I'm an amazing dermatologist, yeah. uh, a doctor called Neris Roberts. I swear by her. She works out of the Chelsea in Westminster. Go find her. Yeah. And I was on a very early uh, drug trial called a Premolast, which has been absolutely life-changing. Is it in certain areas of your... Yeah, so it's on my scalp right. and then it's sort of in other dark crevices. <laughs> but I have I have that and then I have I have a pill that I take, but I also have like things like an overnight head treatment that's oh, right. which works brilliantly. Mm. Not great for the bed linen, but brilliant mm. for for the psoriasis. So I can wake up in the morning like an absolute fright, you know, sort of greasy hair with this treatment on and God knows what sort of drool pouring down my face. But then this vitamin C kind of really, really kind of gets me going. I'll have a shower um, and I use a sort of Aesop shower gel and Philip Kingsley sort of itchy flaky scalp, which mm-hmm. I think is a brilliant product. And then out the shower, instead of using, I, I've got a beard, my hair and beard is in the hands of only one person, which is a guy called Alain Pichon, oh. who has cut my hair for the last, God, it's got to be 15 years. Where's, is he in London? He is in London, and it's either in my kitchen or in his. <laughs> right, okay. Or sometimes we happen to be in the same country. He travels a lot for work. and So, so he does it all remotely? Just Yeah, he, he's not in a salon. Mm. It's just, I'm very lucky. He is. The you found him a, a long time ago? He, I used to work with a designer called Roland Murray, and he, Alain, did Roland, the hair for Roland's shows. And we were showing once, and I desperately needed a haircut, and he said, come on, I'll cut your hair. And then I literally, no one else has been able to do yeah. it ever since because he's so good. And he sort of carves me my non-existent jawline, and you know. And how often do you try and, you know, 
schedules permitting, how often would you try and get to see him? Well, if I could, I'd be there once every a week. week. But I just, you know, probably if I can, every two weeks and three weeks, okay. four weeks is a little bit on the cuff. Don't you love it? So as a side note, I just... That day when it's all done and, you know... Oh, it's a male superpower. I love it's it. It's like I a kind of, oh, I feel really good. Wait, like, you know, all the extraneous hair that shouldn't be there is gone. Yeah. I just, like, yeah, I just feel like my shaft hissed. And then it's sort of, I could do with having a haircut far more regularly than I actually do. So, it's a nice luxury to yeah. do it every couple of... I, so then, and then, um, obviously, because we're talking openly here, nobody's listening. No one's listening. I very recently started dyeing my hair and... Digit. And uh, this what came about for, well, I'm, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I was using some whatever it was off the shelf supermarket yeah. thing, and then I, I swim, and so I ended up with some bright orange hair. So that's <laughs> what. Not I uh, no, um, but it came about. I, I'm very lucky. I, I work with an amazing. Um, I've worked in the fashion industry for a long time, mm. and I've worked for 30 years with Don Salo Versace. And I, I, I was doing a project with her, and um, I was like, you know, love some feedback. And she said, yeah, yeah, no, everything's good. You just got a bit too much grey hair. And obviously, in the fashion industry, you know, there's a youth obsession. Was this like a performance review? So, well, what, how did it come out? Is it? Well, you know, but she's Italian, so <laughs> absolutely. No, you could ring a, you could ring HR for everybody. But she says, in terms of the appraisal process, she's a legend. No filter, Daniel. I love you, but there's a bit too much grey hair. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I understand that. You know, you're in you're in the luxury fashion industry, and you want to be kind of surrounded by youth and sort of thinking about the future. Exactly. Yeah. I'm my bloody hair. Why would I do something like that? Anyway, I tried it. And, um, so did she cut my hair? Did she recommend? A product, or she just no, or just how often do it? Are you kidding? For the most high maintenance woman in the world, no. So I went off and kind of experimented a bit, and then I ended up spending uh, a time with uh, um, Luke Hersherson, who um, has yep. the Hersherson salon, yeah, is a, is a mate, and he said, "Why don't you come in?" So there's a guy called James who's at Hersherson's, who now who I'm going to this afternoon, right? And, uh, and hair and beard, hair and beard, yeah. And I was a bit frightened of it, but he does such a good job. Because um, I guess the, the, the fear... To get rid of the grey, basically. Yeah, but you, it was, you almost white. You don't want it, I guess... You, 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 well, you, you don't, don't want, want to sort of... Na- guest, you, yeah, you want the naturalness. No. You don't want it to look like... No, boot, of course. You, obviously, it wouldn't look like boot polish, but you don't want that too much of a sudden change. You know, that really jet... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, so no, it's in very good hands. I knew I was high maintenance. I didn't quite realise <laughs> quite how maintenance I could allow myself to get. So, um, but no surprises to my husband. <laughs> but, um, so yeah so that you know hair sort of hopefully takes care of well, I say takes care of itself is taken care of by an army of people like that yeah land of people at Hershey exactly and it makes a massive difference especially the beard trim you know I feel fresher younger looking and certainly you know looking at myself in the mirror I get out of the shower you know if I've had a fresh haircut and I've got sort of the, the, the colour on I certainly feel like I look my best sorry in terms of sort of beard maintenance yeah in between these Visits? Have you got clippers and trimmers? And no, I don't touch it. Don't, you don't touch it. No, I was got a pair of scissors that occasionally, and yeah. I've got some tweezers. There's a sort of really wild. painful. The, stri- the, the hair's just under your nose yeah. and stuff. Yeah, no, I, yeah, like, make your eyes water. Can't but, yeah, slight obsession with that. Not too much. To, uh, a nasty incident with an overplucked eyebrow in the uh, in the mid eighties. Good to ever to be repeated. Okay, but yeah, because my eyebrows is to grow together in the middle and went a bit too far once. Yeah, so I think, you know, that a little bit of a trim. I'm really about the kind of maintenance of my beard with oil. So I clean my face right. with an oil of an amazing, amazing woman um, who occasionally I have a facial with, but called Barty Bias, who's sort of a legend. She started in the 80s. 
she and her daughters, they don't, they closed up shop now, but they have a product. She has a product range. It's called Barty BS and it's a face oil. Right. And instead of using a soap, I'll use, I'll use an oil and then rinse my face. And I've just find my, because of the traveling and my age and things, the oil. And that gives more moisture. Yeah. And also then you know, I, I use then also the, the Aqua de Bahama beard oil to yeah. kind of give a softness. So. And that beautiful smell you get from that. Well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's lovely. And I know you get so many compliments, people who kind of come over and give you a kiss or whatever, you know, and to say hello. And, and they're like, oh, and your beard's really soft. It's funny. It's, really a good, it's such a good point because I think, you know, maybe it will come on to fragrance itself. But actually, what you don't want is fragrance in certain areas, but then people coming in for the kiss with the beard and it's smelling a bit funky and off so lunch yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or serious tuna sandwich yeah, or something. yeah I do occasionally if i've sort of had some cereal in the morning and oat milk or something you get a, a little reminder of, yeah yeah and you wash that off but yeah an aqua de palma product yeah so that and then i'm i'm really uh not afraid of men's makeup i guess mm-hmm. i'm not not an extreme way yeah i'm not sitting here with a full face of makeup but i have a daniel definitely isn't <laughs> I have a, a an amazing product. It's called Doctor. It's from Doctor House, yeah. and it's a translucent bronzing concentrate. Because one of the things I think does help you feel great is a bit of a glow from yeah. the sun. But I'm less inclined. I, I do like to sunbathe. I do think the vitamin D is good for you in doses, but not to the point where you, you, you know I'm sla- a slave to the sun. And yet, so I, I'll, I'll use a bit of this. I've used it for years, Dr. Hauschka bronzing concentrate in your moisturizer or just after the oil. And that I find is brilliant. You know, you can get it pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Amazon sell it. Okay. Get it in John Lewis. Um, but a couple of drops of that. And then I... Do that um, glow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I use a, a, a cover-up under my eyes. Yeah. And if I've got like a spot or a, a blemish or anything like that, I'll, um, I'll definitely use a bit of that. Are you loyal to a certain brand? Yeah, eh? like I did some work with, um, we did some work as a business with Glossier. Yes. And they do a, just a really simple mm. cover-up. And, you know, I just think, uh, <laughs> I was sat in an interview with Donatella once and the person interviewing her said, do you believe in plastic surgery? And she laughed and she said, uh, you know, there are so many amazing developments in man-made fibres. I don't see why a person should be 100% cashmere. <laughs> so I haven't had any work done, but I do think some of these products that help you kind of enhance yeah. how you look. Why not? And it makes you feel more comfortable, more confident. Yeah, so why not? And, and my latest trick, mm. which I've only, actually I'm a little bit addicted to now, which is a little bit worrying, and I have to be very careful with how I use it, is is a bronzing powder. And it's, uh, I've got a brilliant one from Bare Essentials yeah. that is you know, a big old brush, and uh, it's, it's called Warmth. The product's called Warmth, and you can buy it in Duty Free, you can buy it anywhere and online. And you apply with a brush? A brush I've, I mean, I've learned to, I've practiced at home, because, you know, you don't want to look like it's bright orange on sally uh, exactly <laughs> uh, old school reference. and all back back to the guest yeah. um but i um I, I found that that has been super helpful especially when traveling even the complexion will just give a no just to give a bit of a close yeah just sort of put it on my face with a big brush and, and just sort of don't put very much on yeah. just give it a you know once over nothing special i've got no technique or any of those things so a bit of cover up under the eyes cover up a blemish and and then a bit of the bronzing thing. And then for me, fragrance has always been, I have a really, really emotional relationship with fragrances mm-hmm. over the years. You know, I started off with Polo, Ralph Lauren, the kind of classic yeah. teenage fragrance, yeah. the green bottle. Great entry level. Yeah, I bought it. Uh, um, I got my nephew to buy it. Um, you know, he's 17, Charlie, and he 
he smells. Is there just there's something about it? Oh, that's lovely. And then I then I went into uh, a Dunhill fragrance because there was a, a guy we were at school with who I absolutely fancied clearly straight and, <laughs> and just did, but he smelled of Dunhill. I, I did try and make my Dunhill. husband wear it at one point, but when I explained why, he was like, "That's weird. Weird. No, just don't don't like." Are you talking about the 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 classic the classic black Dunhill with a black lid and that sort of opaque glass? Exactly. I loved, loved that. that. I thought it made. I wore that when I was like sixth form. I just thought it made me. Like a gent and really classy. Sophisticated. Well, the fragrance bottles are your first kind of masculine accessory, yeah. aren't they? They were kind yeah. of like, you know, just trying to masculine equivalent of a teenage cigar, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing fragrance. And I think even if you don't, oh, I didn't know much about the world of some of these brands, but it's almost kind of subconscious, isn't it? Feeling like you yeah. want to be part of this sort of gentleman's world and be older. Uh, yeah. And remembering that I've got the bronzing powder's name wrong, it's Bare Minerals. Oh, okay. Brand, Bare Minerals. Right. Feels like an essential to me, Bare Essential, but it's a Bare Minerals. Bare Minerals, okay. And then I think, you know, to the, the, the sort of end of my fragrance journey ends up, has ended up in two places. And I think, you know, having I've got sort of, well, three actually, I've got three kind of go-to fragrances and I never thought I would have that sort of fragrance mm. wardrobe. Mm. The verse is, is, is Chanel Sycamore. It's a limited edition that Chanel produced and it is absolutely incredible. It's, a, it's not their run of the mill fragrances. It's a lot more expensive. I had a great friend who works at Chanel who gifted it to me once, which was hideous because of course, now you got it. And, you know, I have to buy a few of which I do because I don't feel quite right ringing up all the time. Occasionally I'll say, I'll run out. But, but now I've taken to buying it myself, but using it in, you know, sparingly. I've always loved Anique Goutel's Eau d'Adrien. Yes. It's just, there's oh, something about it that reminds me of, you know, being a kid in Paris and trying to pretend to be sophisticated and yeah. walking across the shop and kind of smelling it. And, and oh, it's a beautiful. Uh, I've got a great girlfriend who wears it as well, but I, I recently reinvested mm. in it. And, Such a rate. Um, and then I'm lucky because of James, you know, and because of our relationship with Aqua Palma, you know, the, 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 the Colonia club that we've got is, is also one of my go-tos. I'm not just saying that because they're <laughs> supporting us. Be um, the Aqua Palma fragrances are just, there's something really, I just feel dressed when I'm wearing it. Totally. And, totally. um, and you know, for, for me, that's the whole point of those, of those fragrances. It's like, you know, if I'm going to pay attention, it's a bit, it sort of echoes the conversation we were having about taking care of your bottle. Yeah. You know, it's like, if I'm going to feel properly dressed, I'm lucky enough to have some amazing clothes because of the people I work with, you know, good haircut, good grooming. But if you don't kind of smell nice or mm. there's not that opportunity to kind of, it just feels like a finishing touch. Yeah. And then I often find because of work, you know, I'm changing in a loo before a major event, you know, while the person I'm taking to the event is in the hotel, having hair and makeup yeah. in the hotel suite and you're kind of in the car park, you know, yeah. trying to make sure your trousers don't fall in something <laughs> nasty on the floor. But fragrance allows you to kind of pretend like you've had sort of three hours in the spa. And then the sort of the less regular things are things like face masks or things I think uh, I use some a brand called One 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 Skin. Yes, in fact, um, um, on the podcast, someone else, uh, Ashley Clark, mentioned One 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 Skin. Yeah, so they do these under eye yeah. um, depuffing um, little strips mm. that you put on all the sort of those weird looking kind of face masks. Yeah, that are sort of saturated with God knows what, and you yeah. lie there for ten minutes. If you've got ten minutes spare, fifteen minutes spare, you lie there with one of these things on, looking like an absolute idiot. But <laughs> I have to say. They go to me. They are really good. <laughs> they're really good. And you know why should girls have all those secrets? You know you should. You know that it's the and the, the really smart looking. They come in sort of little black sachets. Yeah. 
And you can get them now with like LED features. Because there's some really, I, oh, I, I get, yeah, I get that algorithm on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I think Instagram clearly knows I'm a product addict, so it yeah. serves me like anything it can think of. And most of the time, I'm a sucker. Yeah. I haven't, never been sucking in yet for the LED light mask. I don't even know what the deal is about what it what it does. Well, it, paid it, attention. It, uh, one of the things is, is having psoriasis, one of the things that was very effective to get it under control was light therapy. And yes, yes. And that was amazing. But because I've had cancer, I couldn't do very much. Right. So I think that that, I always think of the bit like a sunbed or those LED things. I always think, mm. is it really good for you? Mm. You know, I mean, the, the thing I'm absolutely rubbish at is wearing an SPF. I should be. But I've got some, a little bit of sun damage on my forehead, but not massively mm. noticeable. But I'm, that's one of the lessons I, I need to learn. I need so to do you try and stay out, with you saying, with, with some of the bronzing part? Do you stay out of the sun? Well, I, I'm, um, I'm married to a man who uh, tans in about five seconds. Right. We go on holiday and we come back and people say, oh, well, that's a shame. Did Daniel not get to come with you? Was he working in the room all the time? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> mean. And so um, <laughs> he'll say, unhelpfully, halfway through the holiday, it's not a competition, you know. <laughs> and then he's roasting with barely anything on his skin and he just goes a perfect colour of brown. Yeah. I go various stages of pink and maybe a healthy glow <laughs> at some point with a couple of nasty burns, always travelling with the affine, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, a, a great friend of mine, Alison, uh, introduced me to be affine in, in Paris once and... Um, and she runs Nessa Porter and Mr. Porter, so you listen to what she says. You certainly do. You know, and, um, and I bought this, but I buy it by the truckload if ever I'm in Paris, and, um, and that's been a lifesaver mm. uh, for, the, for the burns. I mean, none of that stuff can be good for you, but the after effect of it, I think a little bit of that vitamin D is good. Yeah. I've learned that I'm never going to win the competition on the tanning stage. But it's not a competition. But I think... The problem is I have that attitude of tanning is on holiday, whereas actually tanning, you know, being yeah. exposed to sun is every well, day. It's a nice day in London, isn't it? We're exactly. Be of- and I'm, I'm bad at that. And that's definitely a lesson, especially having had cancer in the past. It's sort of a lesson to learn about being better with SPF. So I, I'm, I'm much more inclined to go for the, um, you know, the, the delicious smelling products, the yeah. amazing kind of treatment products, but um, I still need to factor in the best SPF. Maybe you've got a recommendation. Well, the one that I love is a Murad Murad uh, moisturizer with SPF like thirty five fifty in it. But you know sometimes that when it's more suntan cream than moisturizer, it can end up being a bit cloying and thick. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this one is a it's got a mattifier in it. Oh, well. right. I have uh, Robin James, who's man for himself, to thank for this. I'm not going to claim it myself, but I, I've since he mentioned it on the podcast uh, last year. I've been buying it, and it's. Yeah, it's thin enough that it feels like a moisturiser that that's all. I get that. Thank you very much. Give me the name of that. I mean, it's interesting for me because the product recommendation, the products that I do use, a lot of them have come from having conversations with other mm. men. Weird, yeah. but but quite nice. Yeah. So this, the um, could be quite a bonding thing. I think. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, listen. I work with a guy who recommended the bare minerals, you know, bronzing powder because both of us had to look like we've slept for two weeks when we haven't. Yeah. And um, as a friend, Jonathan, and he recommended, I was like, because he turned up in the office. I was like, you look great. You look like you've been on holiday for a while. you're down. Here's the product. Yeah. And then he'll always take the mickey out of me because, you know, if I go into a meeting with him and I look a bit tanned, he's like, mm. <laughs> as you look like you've been on holiday. 
But, you know, then, and then, you know, the aqua diploma comes from James and recommending the products, but also, you know, falling in love with something that you, you sort of feel like then becomes you. Part of you is it becomes a sort of smell that you get used yeah. to. And I think that's the relationship with fragrance. They're all sort of these emotional connections that you have um, associated with um, friendship, with fancying somebody, yeah. with sort of first adventures as a young man yeah. you know there's sort of these they're all quite emotive memories of, yeah. yeah and i think you know some of that my dad's never worn fragrance he doesn't use products he doesn't wear fragrance i didn't grow up learning about oh, yeah. these things from him i mean i did learn it from my aunt who was sort of incredibly sophisticated in what she used yeah um i think it's so interesting you, the, the products you're talking about because obviously you are in a world you know you're in communications and and fashion and beauty where people do notice and you're fortunate to have access to great oh, opinion or great products sure. and things, but you are on show, aren't you? Yeah, it's yeah. like people, Donatello or whoever it might be, are, are whether you like it or not, are taking notice of, of the clothes you wear, of your skin and all these things, where for some people maybe, you know, if you're working from home all week or, or you're in a role where that's not the case, but you certainly... You do care about it, but you, you, you probably... I do, but I think also, uh, you know, for me, uh, wildly superficial human being that I am, f looking good makes me feel good. Yeah. And looking my... Let's put it this way. Looking my best. Yeah. So, you know, I... I yeah, I don't think that's superficial. I think I think there's a, a true... It feels like, yeah, and I, listen, I grew up pretty uncomfortable about the way that I looked. Did you? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was never, like, the fittest person. I, I'm 6'4". I was very awkward when I was... Because I grew to 6'4 when I was sort of 13. Did you? Really awkward, um, not sporty. And I never really liked the way that I looked and never thought of myself as in that way. As, And I think probably being in the fashion industry, you kind of, there's a definition of beauty that mm. was quite conventional. Yeah. And therefore, when you don't fit that, it sort of felt like you weren't. I think as you get older... I mean, the, the one massive change for me and making myself feel, when I, to your point about looking in the mirror, mm. has been my beard. Because I've had a beard now since, you know, for probably around 20 years. Yeah. Maybe a little bit less than that. And I wish I'd always had it. I know exactly what you mean. I, like, I, when I look back at pictures of myself yeah. without a beard, I was like, what? My husband rather cruelly looks at our sort of, our, um, civil partnership pictures and says, yeah, I think I married Vic Rees back there. But I'm like, that's not a compliment. How dare you? But, it, you know, there was a, there's quite a lot of flesh on the show. Yeah. You know, and it, it's really a fantastic disguise. And like I said, yeah. I, you know, the guy, how I cuts my hair, I'm like, carve my jawline in. There's yeah. nothing things that is. So can you kind of cut it to the shape of something that can elongate my face a bit? And, you yeah. know, and, he's, and he does it brilliantly. But it does save an enormous amount of time and whatever I'm kind of, if I, no matter how knackered I am, put on a pair of sunglasses, the beard's well-trimmed. I sort of feel like I'm sort of halfway there. Yeah. It doesn't stop me from using all the other products, but, you know, it, it certainly has been a sort of helpful... Face framer. And, yeah. And it's sort of an identity and a character yeah. and and, um, and I love it. So, yeah, I mean, as, as sometimes I think, oh, shave my beard off and then I sort of catch sight of a picture of myself from back then. And I, yeah. And, no, maybe not. Definitely not a good move. Sound, my wife sounds very similar. <clears throat> Excuse me. Look back to wedding photos from 2005. Yeah, 2005. Clean shaven. And yeah, it's not. I just, yeah. So there's it's a lot of flesh. A lot of it. I was big, like, you know, I'm a big sure. chipmunk cheeks. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, you see, the thing is, we notice things that nobody else yeah. knows. But 
It can hide some of the sins. It's got it's like a good. couple of double chins. You know, I spend yeah. quite a lot of time in Italy. There's definitely a couple of kind of pasta <laughs> dinner than there. Yeah. Overindulgence on good food. Well, we'll talk a bit more about the, the man in the mirror in a, in a second. But just in terms of Father and Son Day, what, how can listeners get involved? So Aqua de Palma are, are selling um, their, club, <laughs> their club set for us at John Lewis. And proceeds from that are going to Father and Son Day. Um, and that's available on, online as well. Isn't it, it is, yeah. And h- how can listeners really help? I mean, first of all, you can go to the Marsden. And this year, uh, we're building up to our 10th anniversary next year. Right. We're going to have a really big program of activity, um, I hope. Um, this year, we're a little bit quieter while we sort of gird our loins on mm-hmm. the punch. <laughs> Supporting Aqua Department would be amazing. Going on to the Marsden, you know, they, there are plenty of places you can donate um, mm. across their charities at the moment. And they have Just Giving pages and... And we have a Father and Sunday Just Giving page. It's, it's been a little bit dormant for a while, but because we've had some amazing private donations, yeah, uh, which go straight to the hospital, so that's always possible. Yeah. Uh, and if anybody wants to know more about that, they can contact you and then, you know, let us know. People have been unbelievably generous. But honestly, you, people can help the most by just checking in, and it sounds a bit trite, but checking in on themselves, but checking in on a guy that they, you know, a friend, friends and family, uh, brother, dad, and just making sure they're all right and just, you know, asking them if they've, you know, checked themselves, have they been for their health checks, have they um, taken care of themselves in the way that they should. Mm. And I think, ironically, also probably the way that most of those men out there are taking care of other people. Yeah. So, you know, if they're doing that for others and they're genuinely gentlemen and kind, um, you know, why don't you apply those same things to yourself as well? So, you know, from my perspective, fantastic if you want to get involved, if you want to see how you can support the Mars and if you want to donate, if you want to, you know, treat yourself or someone you love to something from Aqua Palma for Father's Day or for a special guy in your life or somebody who inspires you, mm. amazing. But check in on yourself, most yeah. importantly. Very well said. And actually, at the end of the podcast, I'll mention a, a little prize giveaway that we're doing on Man in the Mirror where there'll be uh, an Aqua de Palma Colonia Club sets and i'll explain all the all the mechanics of that but and and also a way of the, the links to donate to the royal marsden and father and sunday so there'll be a bit more about that at the end thanks it's really um, of you. Oh, my pleasure and daniel's i mean we we kind of feel like we've we've covered some of this already about appearance and and how you feel about yourself but the name of the podcast is is man in the mirror so i wonder you know how, how do you feel about the the man that looks back at you when when you have a look in the mirror in the morning and you know are you you're comfortable with with what you see, and I guess that can be, you know, a sort of internal thing or or a more I mean, superficial it's thing. A, it's a it's a multifaceted response depending on the yeah. time of day, the day, yeah. week, the year. I mean, you know, I don't think there's a kind of uniform. I I, I would love to be one of those. I'd, I'd maybe I wouldn't. I'd love to be one of those people that just was uniformly felt a certain way about themselves, yeah, but no, it just doesn't happen. Of course. So I um. I mean, I sometimes, if I'm been traveling too much, I look in the mirror and think, God, you look knackered, you need to just stop a little bit. Mm. I'm not very good at that. And I guess it's, you, your job is your job, and it, it's requiring you to be in different places and not yeah. a huge amount. Um, but I think uh, I've come through, um, come through depression in the last sort of 18 months, and I think I was looking at the mirror at then, not feeling at all self-aware, mm. not feeling grounded and feeling super anxious and so what i saw in the mirror now i would recognize as something i didn't particularly like mm. that 
in a way was sort of shouting back at me to take care of myself better and I wasn't necessarily listening. And so now I, yeah, I mean, good lighting helps. Um, (laughs) I'm... (laughs) Uh, you know, I'm I'm comfortable with the way that I look. I um I'm I'm got my new Tom Ford glasses on, which I'm great. Really excited about. I yeah, love I those. Great. A friend in America had them, and I was like, yeah, I think it's a really strong frame. Classic. Yeah, he has a classic Tom Ford glass uh, pair of glasses, and so um I quite like those. And um, do you? I think I'll feel a lot better about myself this afternoon after I've had the dye job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And in terms of, I mean, we don't always talk about clothes, but do do you feel like you have a certain uniform are you a guy that likes you know to wear a lot of black or have you got certain colors that you think work for um i um i'm a bit of a navy blue addict yeah me too find it very difficult to move away from navy blue i spoke to someone sorry to interrupt i spoke to someone it'll be on on one of the other podcasts about uh, about from the fashion industry and he said oh yeah we have most men say i'm paraphrasing but you know yeah men's clothes are all about navy blue and i I, th- I didn't realize. I love, no, uh, you know, denim and navy blue. Yeah, that's my thing. But he said, oh, yeah, that's just the guy's color. Well, yeah, that's probably so. I'm in the fashion industry. Um, for work, I tend to wear a lot of black. Yeah. It's very practical. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also because I tend to be looking after somebody who's very high profile. And so you want to be sort of neutral. So sort of dropping back a bit in terms. A bit. It's quite hard when you're 6'4 and built. Good <laughs> bricks. Yeah. Um, excuse my language. But the, um, the, 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 on the whole for work, and because it's easy when you're traveling, black, navy blue and gray. But, you know, I, I love clothes. And so I'm, uh, I'm a sort of collect, probably mildly addictive collector of clothes. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I've got, um, a lot and it's terrible already, but I love it. And I will fall in love with something from a clothes perspective. So I'm going to a wedding, family wedding this weekend. Oh, okay. And um, I've just bought a, a, a beautiful kind of plum-coloured silk Dries Van Noten suit. I, I'm really excited about wearing it. I'm like really excited about wearing it. Silly, so silly. But, you know, I've got a, a beautiful navy blue double-breasted Versace suit mm. that was made for me. Wow. Privilege. Yeah. Yes. Lucky. Very privileged. And it's got wide, these wider leg trousers. And I'm really, I really like those kind of mm. wider leg trousers. I'm tall. I think you can probably get away with that. Yeah. But I'm also a bit of a Uniqlo addict. Yeah. Um, Great the, basic. The kind of things I just, I was just in there before I came to you. And I bumped into this guy called Jim Moore, who was the style editor of GQ. <laughs> really? In America. I'm an achingly stylish guy. Yeah. And I was, was feeling just bath. the coincidence. And he was like, oh, there's a, there's a black jacket, a work jacket downstairs. I think they've got one left in your size. I ran to go and get it because <laughs> he told me I should go and get it. I was in a stretch. And then I was just like, oh, well, how come you're here? He said, oh, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I support, you know, a couple of the ambassadors for, for Uniqlo. And then Roger Federer walked in. It was just like a weird, just absolutely weird funny. moment. I was at a hotel on Tuesday and he was, he was, Roger Federer was there. He's obviously in town. So he did clearly. And then he was clearly shopping in Uniqlo. <laughs> so, you know, I quite like that kind of mix of, yeah, got a big old stack of, of uh, the Uniqlo or, or M&S t-shirts, mm. M&S addict as well. I think their menswear is really improved oh, yeah. and, and brilliant. But obviously then, you know, my, my work uniform, but also what I love is, is, is such a work for them for nearly 30 years. And so I'm lucky to have some of those incredible things. And I have gone a bit rogue with some of my Versace stuff, so I do own a kind of silver embroidered wrestling belt that comes out on occasion. I, 
as a comma bound, yeah, right. sort of legendary. Wow. Um, I, I, I did, um, I own a, a neon pink suit, which um, there was an internal memo that went out at Versace before a fashion show to say, please could all staff wear black. But because I'm a consultant, I didn't get the memo. <laughs> you literally did. So I out. turned up at this fashion show to kind of seat press and literally the, the in neon pink and the, wow. the sort of opposite of opposite what everyone was wearing. It's Daniel. And, 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 and thankfully Donna said I came out and just burst out laughing. Mm. And I said, listen, I can go and change. And she said, no, Versace, this is black. Um, the brilliant, brilliant one-liners. And so I, I, you know, I love my job allows me to take on different, I suppose, guises, you know, when I've worked with yeah. different brands, it's a real honor to wear different clothes. And you can be, it sounds like you can be a bit more playful with it as well. Yeah, and a bit, yeah. a bit of a chameleon, yeah. you know, I think. But, you know, if you ask me to get dressed, come and see you today, it's always going to be a kind of black or navy yeah. basic, a black or navy t-shirt. And, you know, if I have to pack in a hurry, that's sort of what goes mm. in. And I think, you know, the, the not being afraid of kind of some of the man-made fabrics and stretch fabrics, certainly for traveling. So yeah. this is a, a theory suit from Uniglo and it just serves a brilliant, it just goes everywhere. Yeah, it comes out does get you look like a million dollars. And also if you're hot or cold, and it just seems to work. Right. And then, yeah, and I'm not afraid of a jazzy accessory. So, you know, there's always an inappropriate sort of sneaker somewhere. You strike me as someone that's actually has found, you know, a really good style that, that works, I think, yeah. I, I guess you know what ends up suiting you. Yeah. Uh, I guess you know. I mean, I've because of being in the industry, I spend a long time watching, uh, dressing, and watching other yeah. people get dressed. Yeah. And so you can see, and I sort of tend to play that that role in my family as well. Or um, you know, my mum was just eighty, and she's like, oh, "What should I wear?" And you know, I so ask you. Yeah, and I love that. That's great, and I love that conversation around clothes and dressing and I've never seen it as something that's superficial oh. I've always seen it both my parents are in the in the fashion business my father's in retail oh really as a children's wear designer yeah. and so fashion has always been part of our world yeah and something that is just something really beautiful and lovely yeah. and to appreciate it doesn't always mean spending a fortune but it means showing a bit of care and consideration and not feeling like that's superficial yeah. in any way and yeah. finding what style works yeah you and uh, it just happens that I've ended up working in an industry where you can be judged in about five seconds flat if you're not wearing <laughs> the right shoes. But, but yeah. you know, so, you know, I think, and that is, it's interesting. And, you know, having been in the fashion industry for, for 30 years, there's a code of uniform mm. hard to fashion industry, which is actually quite simple. Mm. And so, you know, there's a, there's a, a lot of the industry who spend, a, women and men, who spend a lot of time saying, oh, it's this suit and then that suit and then this suit and that suit. And you'll find that they themselves wear exactly the same shape jacket. Mm. And if it's guys, like this guy from GQ, I bumped into, you know, black blazer, black jeans, right. black polo shirt, and a pair of sneakers. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen him in much that's different. You right. know, even when he puts on a tuxedo, it's sort of a similar cut. He knows what suits him. Yeah. And, it, and that, for me, is like finding that. Finding and it could be a great... You know, as I said, I think M&S does some amazing tailoring. Mm. Understanding fit and understanding, you know, a number of times I've taken male friends out to get a suit and they just don't know how a jacket should mm. fit. And I, actually, I've just picked up from my nephew a suit from Suit Supply, who I think do an amazing job for that sort of younger yeah. audience. But they, you know, properly tailor the suit. Mm. And, you know, he's learned what mm. suits him. Great. Not like making sure a shoulder fits properly yeah. and all those things. And I, 
bit of a nerd about all that. I love all of that sort of detail. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I've you know I've got my favourite things, and then every now and again, bust out a pink suit. Probably or... more often than it should, something kind of special comes and sort yeah. of grabs me, and I think, well, I might, must have that, even if I only end up wearing it a couple of times. I kind of enjoy seeing it hanging there. Yeah, have some fun with it. Yeah, you know. And finally, Daniel, what um, what are the things that make you happy? It's and I know the big question: being valued and appreciated makes me happy. Mm. Being loved, which is a great privilege. Yeah. Being with people who are, being with great friends who are kind, uh, being working with people who are kind and who make you laugh, yeah. enjoying th- th- those kind of happy moments. And also I love, you know, I'm very lucky. I've got an amazing family. Uh, you know, uh, the, the happiness comes from, I think, the root of it, especially after things I've lived through, comes from being comfortable in my own skin now. Mm-hmm. And I definitely haven't always been that. And I had thought that getting to my late 40s and turning 50 would, or I should somehow be comfortable in my own skin. And I wasn't. I'm 51 now. And I think I'm more comfortable in my own skin now than I ever have been, primarily because I got a massive wake-up call. Yeah. And I've come through that and cancer as a teenager. Yeah. I would have thought that would have taught you some sort of life lesson that's seemingly not... But lately, you know, now being 50, about to be 52 in August, the happiness has come from just being comfortable in my own skin. And by the way, it's not a permanent state of being, you know. No, a sort of happiness is not a kind of permanent state of being. It's a sort of... It would be weird. Different facets. Yeah, it's been really annoying. Super happy. Yeah. Like what we don't like, like what be. pill are you taking? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Well, the irritating <laughs> therapist just said, if you're happy all the time, this is a great bit of self-care, having a weekly therapy session. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, she, she, she and I were talking about how irritating it is because people who are permanently happy. Something's, it, it, something's really, got to be wrong. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not natural. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for asking. What makes you happy? What makes me happy? I, I think the, the, the thing about feeling valued and feeling like the purpose and the, the work you're doing is for something yeah family my dog i was saying yeah getting okay. yeah just getting out for a walk with my dog i should probably say my husband I was, oh, yeah i should probably say my wife yeah, that in some way it's a given I, I mean i came home from a traveling away and 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 he'd done a couple of washes i mean that made me really yeah, absolutely normally it doesn't normally happen. that's good that was you're normally the washer i quite like it <laughs> i really like it when he interferes and I, you know, and I, and I, you know, on a, on a less serious note, I'd love great food. Mm-hmm. So, mm. you know, a beautifully prepared meal that's made. And I bet it's the same. Oh Being in Italy, I bet oh. you get some incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a penne arrabbiata, which the hotel where I, where I stay in basic makes, which is, which will make me happy. A glass of red wine, penne arrabbiata made by this guy in the hotel who does room service. I mean, it's not like a nasty Take cheese sandwich. Bring it to the room. Yeah. I mean, hotels make me happy. Oh, there's a list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, that's, that's, a, that's a, you know, that's a happy moment recently. Um, and, and actually, uh, taking those, taking those small moments, that's great too, isn't it? Just a, a real pleasure of just a, it's what a good meal or a mouthful or yeah, it's, whatever. It's what there is. It's, I think that, yeah, the, 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 the stopping to appreciate them and recognising yeah. when they happen also yeah. really crucial. Absolutely. Oh, Daniel, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure thank to spend you. some time with you. And thank you to Mr. Massey for bringing us together. Thank you to Mr. Massey and to Aqua Department. I'll, so I'll mention more 
uh, at the end of the podcast and how you can get involved in Father and Sunday and the charity. But um, yeah, appreciate you spending some time and, and coming to uh, do the podcast today. And so happy that you sound like you're in a, a much happier place and um, wish you everything. Well, it's a real privilege to be in that place and thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Oh, it was fascinating to spend some time with Daniel and to hear more about the, the charity and, of course, his own personal experience of cancer. It's absolutely brilliant to hear what a positive impact he's, he's made with Father and Sunday along with Jack Dyson and all the great work they're doing for the Royal Marsden. Um, if you want to find out more about Father and Sunday, they're on Instagram at Father and Sunday, and that's F A T H E R A N D S O N D A Y. So Father and Son Day, all one word. Daniel's personal Instagram is Daniel B Marks. That's Daniel D A N I E L with a B M A R K S. Daniel B Marks. Um, the Royal Marsden are simply at Royal Marsden on Instagram. There's also the ability to to text a donation to the Royal Marsden if you've been interested and, and want to support the work that, that Daniel and many, many others are doing for the Royal Marsden. You can text Marsden, which is M-A-R-S-D-E-N, to this short code, which is 70800. And that donates £5. So that's texting Marsden to 70800 to donate £5. I've also decided to um, do something to try and support the Royal Marsden. So to that end, Aqua de Palma and Massey Style have very kindly donated a Colonia Club a gift set, which is um, a bottle of Colonia Club and then a, a smaller travel size one as well in a beautiful gift set. Um, it would be a perfect gift for a man or something just to keep yourself. But um, I'll explain the, the mechanic on the Man in the Mirror um, Instagram channel, but essentially I'm going to just ask anyone to donate whatever they can, you know, any amount, and um, I'll put a fundraiser on the Instagram post, and then anyone that enters and donates can um, will be in with in with a shot of the Colonia Club prize. Um, also, if if you wanted to text the short code the seven zero eight zero zero to donate five pounds and send send me a screenshot by via DM to the Man in the Mirror Pod then um, you'll be entered as well. So I hope, I hope it doesn't sound too clunky, but I kind of want some way of, of you know, trying to solicit some donations rather than just giving a prize away. So you know, anyone that donates, whatever you can. I know times are tough and it's, you know, there's a lot of calls on, on everyone's money um, and obviously we're all doing different things for different charities. But uh, I think you know, if you'd listen to what... Um, what Daniel and Jack have done and all the amazing work and actually that it's going into real training of, of people, you know, which came across loud and clear in what he was saying, then, you know, if you, if you can support and, and donate anything, it would be hugely appreciated. And a slight carrot with, with my post is going to be this um, club gift set, which was kindly donated by Aqua de Palma and Massey Star. So massive thanks to them. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, slightly different episode this week. I hope you enjoyed it and took something from it. If you want to follow Man in the Mirror, I'm at Man in the Mirror Pod on Instagram, where you'll find more information about previous guests and what's coming up later on in the season. Thanks to Daniel Marks. Um, thanks for his time. You know, he's a busy man, and I really appreciate spending some time with him in person in London. And thanks to you, of course, for listening. 
And I'll see you next time on Man in the Mirror. Take care. 